Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your Pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a Pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries, no more time zone issues, just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more. And welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I am Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. And today, I'm super excited to dig into how to build high-performance teams. I think we all want to be a part of them. We want to build them. And it's not something that's accidental. Like There's real structures and ways that we can build and be part of high-performing teams. And... I'm extremely excited today because we have one of our very own instructors, one of my favorite people to talk about with these topics, Amy Graham, is going to join us and talk about some of the, the things that she's done in her career, things that she's seen from teams that she has taught about building high-performance teams. So welcome, Amy. Thank you, Rebecca. Happy to be here. All right, Amy, first, for those people listening who have not had the opportunity yet to be in your classroom, talk to me a little bit about your background and why you are so passionate about product management. So let's see. I started off my career in different areas of the business, but eventually found my way into the development side of the organization. So I was actually leading software development teams for several years I didn't really have a whole lot of experience. I had never been an engineer, didn't ever write a line of code in my entire life, but was really, really, really excited about this opportunity. And so I took on the responsibility of managing the development efforts, which meant I was going to lead engineers, business analysts, project managers, you name it. And I learned a lot. I learned the software development life cycle, like the back of my hand. I got a coach and a mentor who had been in software development for 25 plus years. I read everything I could possibly get my hands on, took training classes, and eventually ended up becoming the director of technology solutions. So I took the development teams through a lot of different product builds. So we've created mobile apps. I've done a lot of consumer facing portals, if you will, tons of custom development on like really large CRM platforms like Salesforce, Microsoft Dynamics, 
also done some smaller custom development projects like building survey engines or content management tools, different things like that. It was incredibly exciting. After doing that for several years, I actually went to the other side. So I stepped out of development, thought my development team was going to be super excited that I was then going to be their counterpart in product. And uh, they actually told me, you're going to the dark side. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, you're going to the dark side. And uh, after I was in product for a period of time, I uh, figured out what they meant by that. But it was such an amazing experience for me to have the development background Mm. when I stepped into product. One, it made me more empathetic to what happens in the development world, but it also forced this partnership um, between product management and our engineering team, including our design practice, which I think made all the difference in the world. So I am incredibly passionate and excited to talk about building high-performing teams when it comes to product and development. And I think it's it's one of the I think it's one of the key points and one maybe I didn't I didn't stress enough in the intro, like you don't get to be a great product team without having a really great connection with development. Right. Exactly. That's how it works, right? So there, there, you can't be a great team in isolation. You're not doing, something's not going to work there. And I, I love the perspective that you bring to it, having been on both sides. So it's not just being like, I think, you know, I've empathized and I've worked with them a bunch, but really having walked in both sets of shoes, I think is a, is a great perspective that you bring to the conversation. Absolutely. And just as a side note, it even goes beyond the actual technical space, like beyond development, like operations, mm. you know, mm-hmm. operational readiness, your sales teams, your customer success, your account management. And I was director of ops for a period of time, which I think also was incredibly valuable for me to get that really, like just have a really well-rounded background to build the partnerships and trust and collaboration we needed across the teams. And I think that is unique to have all those backgrounds, but I, I think it's super powerful. And for those listening who who can't necessarily do the roles, I think also being as curious about those areas as you are about your own is a way to build those bridges too. Um, yes. Right. I think there are people who want to share and talk about it, but it's not just asking. I mean, it's like genuinely being intrigued and curious about those areas because everything is so interconnected. That's exactly right. Yep. Learning each other's worlds, understanding each other's language will better help you understand, obviously, how you need to work together and connect the dots. So, yeah. All right. Let's talk about some of the best practices you've seen and particularly like sort of in the way they're structured and work together. So Pragmatic actually has a little bit of data in terms of like how product management teams are set up. As you know, Rebecca, we don't prescribe one way over the other. Mm -hmm. Um, We do have a little bit of data though. So like, for example, our some recent survey results said that 33% of product managers report into a product management function. However, 22% of them are reporting directly into like a president, a CEO, a managing director um, of some sort of like competitive function perhaps, or like a growth or strategy team. 15% said that they reported into development directly Um, Mm -hmm. like the engineering team or like to a chief information officer. And then we had about 12% who report into marketing. I think at the end of the day, as I was mentioning earlier, we don't necessarily prescribe one structure is better than the other necessarily. We've seen a lot of different models work, but I think it's really, really important to have clarity around 
how you are structured, which gets into the roles and responsibilities, which I think plays a really, really critical role in building an effective team. So. Yeah. And I think that's a, a point we try to stress all the time, right? Is it, it isn't necessarily like there's one right way. There's, there's things that are more common or things for different types of industries, yes. but it's the clarity. It's really saying, okay, not who's going to have what title, but who's playing what role, who's wearing what hat, right? Hat versus head, who's wearing which hat in this and really clearly defining that. So everybody knows what they are to do and what they can expect from others. Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, is product playing that externally facing role, if you will? Are they going out there, keeping a good finger on the pulse of the market, bringing that information back in? And then is your development team set up to actually figure out the how, as we say, where they're actually building it? And then how do we come together in that middle ground, that middle area? What are some of the hats that have to be worn, to use your words? You know, you've got the market expertise. You've got somebody who has to manage the schedule. You've got a design practice or a design function or a design hat that has to be worn. Maybe that's UI design. It could be UX design. It could be industrial design, business process design, depending on the types of products you're making. You've got engineers. So you've got that build hat. And then you also have a testing hat. So really, really, really critical to understand, do we have the basic proficiencies covered and then who is wearing what hat? We don't want to duplicate efforts. We don't want to step on each other's toes. We don't want to point fingers. We want to make sure that there's a lot of clarity around that. Excellent. All right. So now we've got who's doing what. How do we assure alignment though, right? How do we make sure that not only do we, we have the definition, but how do we make sure it's really an effective team? So for the folks who might be listening to this that have not attended our build course, for example, one of the really important concepts or topics that we teach and talk about is that it's really important to understand what type of team you have. So let me give you an example. Pragmatic basically has it boiled down into two different types of teams. So we've got one that we refer to as a high market knowledge or an effective team. And then we've got a second team that we refer to as a dependent team. We believe that there is absolutely a direct correlation between the level of market knowledge your team has and the need for detail. And we're not trying to teach, you know, the point of that is not to say like, hey, an effective team or a high market knowledge team is the right kind of team. There's actually been hundreds of thousands of products created from dependent teams. You know, for example, Apple, they take their specs, they ship them overseas and those that phone comes back, right? So one is not necessarily better than the other, but it's really important for product teams to understand what type of development team they're working with specifically. Mm -hmm. Are they high market knowledge? Are they low market knowledge? Because it, it changed the ways, it changes the ways that we work together. It affects the level of detail we have to provide. And just to speak to our agile audience, you know, anybody who's out there practicing some flavor of agile or scaled agile, whether it be safe or scrum or Kanban or whatever it is, if you really, really, really want to reap the benefits of an agile development team, we have to make sure that they have high market knowledge. They know our world. They understand our industry. They understand our personas. They're familiar with our space. That's the only way to get away with less documentation, mm -hmm. less artifact, and to have more conversation, more collaboration, which is part of the Agile Manifesto. So I think the point is the very first thing, if we just go back to basics, is when we're thinking about alignment and creating that effective team, we have to understand what we're working with first. 
right? So is it high market knowledge? Is it low market knowledge? What is the, the required detail needed? How are we going to produce requirements? What kind of artifacts would we give? What does this cadence look like? Because then we understand where we play a role, how we need to partner uh, which obviously leads to that effective piece. We also talk about one other really big key piece, which is trust. Mm. So understanding your teams and you know everything we've talked about up until this point, but like making sure that trust is present is just invaluable. If if we don't trust each other, if product marketing doesn't trust product management and product management doesn't trust development and development doesn't trust product, we could be doomed. I mean, it affects everything. It is like the number one pillar that we have to have in place for an effective team and to gain alignment across our organization. I mean, you can just see that when you have trust, you assume good intent, right? right. And the amount of energy that is spent and lost when when it's not, when they're assuming bad intent, right? The assumption is they're not right. The assumption is they haven't thought about X, Y, or Z, or the assumption is they're not taking into account our things. There's so much extra energy used there that when we have trust and we're all coming at it from that same place of understanding the efficiencies and, and also just how much we enjoy it, right? How much enjoyment, pleasure we get out of what we do is entirely different. Oh my gosh. Everything you said is completely on point. Being productive and the level of efficiency is absolutely something. Because think about it. If you don't have trust, right? People are, if I don't trust what the marketing team is doing or what development team is, the development team is doing, we require more updates and we're spending a lot of time having these conversations where we maybe wouldn't need to have. We wouldn't Mm. feel compelled to be part of certain meetings if we trusted the people and the process. So yeah, that's everything you said is spot on. And some of the things that you said, you talked about it being very much a two-way street between product and development. And I think sometimes, you know, development feels like they don't have a communication back. They don't have a way to kind of in, to, to have input into what's yes. coming their way. And I think that's such a mistake when it's like, and decreed from the mountain, we have said this, <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, it just doesn't get buy-in in the same way. Yep. You're exactly right. It absolutely has to go both ways. And I just, that's something that is, I don't know what the right word is. Like, I think it's something that's really special when you can achieve that Mm. because it's so important. Engineering, development, whoever it is, they have to understand the world of product. Product has to to understand that world. We gain a mutual respect for each other. We understand what each other's doing and the the hardships, the challenges, the, the good stuff, like the good, bad, the ugly, if you will. And more importantly, how we can actually support and work together. So... And I know that you have some advice, like even into the, to think of the artifacts, the roadmaps, and in terms of how we get that two-way streak of conversation, how do we get development and where do we get development's input so they, they that it's all aligned? Yeah, gosh, so many things to say there. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I think hopefully everybody listening knows how important it is to have a product strategy that aligns, you know, from top down, of course, but early, early on in your process, I'm a big fan. In fact, I'm a huge champion of pulling in somebody from that development team, whether it's your lead developer, your senior architect, whoever it is, and having them be part of this process, right? Um, In a very collaborative way from the beginning, having design be part of that road mapping stage. And really, as we're thinking about everything from release planning 
to writing initiatives or epics or stories or doing our sprint planning and our iteration planning, all that stuff, like every step of the way, having a partner mm-hmm. on the different teams, if you will, being part of this process makes a huge difference. Having different types of roadmaps too. So I think I gained a lot of trust with my development team in the past by, we had our standard internal product roadmap, if you will, but it was really important from a change control, like from change control um, perspective, but also from a development perspective to have this consolidated sort of high level view of what's happening across the teams and across the various products that might rely on like a single platform, for example, so that I could give that to my development team and they could have some time to think about how these things were all intersecting or could be impacting each other. So there's different types of roadmaps, obviously, but collaboration and partnership from the very beginning is key. Absolutely. All right. So we talked about some of the really key things, right? The trust and the right context and the collaboration and clear roles and responsibilities. And we are going to pretend that, no, we're not going to pretend that everyone's listening has done all these things, right? Or that you and I have never uh, misstepped in any of these areas either, right? Uh, Let's talk about some of that. Talk about where people tend to fall down, the areas we should be maybe particularly attentive of, of, of ourselves to make sure we're not falling into some of the traps that that break these relationships? Oh, goodness. Gosh, there's so many things. Well, I guess first and foremost, one of the traps we need to watch out for is asking engineers, asking our development teams to build things and to to solve problems that maybe we haven't done our due diligence on. We don't have enough market research. We don't have Mm. customer input yet. Engineers want to work on things that matter. They want to work on things that are significant. And so it's really important that if they spend their time on something, this is something that's going to matter, right? So we need to make sure that we've done our jobs. We've studied the market. We have the data to back it up and to support it. And we know that we're solving something that matters. There's desirability, if you will, in the marketplace, right? So that's Nothing hurts their, nothing breaks development spirit faster than, yes. you know, creating things that no one uses or that, that stays sort of dusty and un, unlaunched. Exactly. All that yep. effort, right? Yeah, yep. exactly. If we death by a thousand paper cuts, right? Mm-hmm. Doing our products with features that nobody ever even touches, uses the adoption rate is super low, utilization is non-existent, whatever. That's incredibly defeating. It affects morale from all sides. So definitely watch out for that. I would say too, like if you just think about the whole process around estimating and like figuring out scope, okay, like that is an area where we can fall into, I don't know if trap is the right word, but that's an area where things can go south. So if we haven't done proper road mapping and proper release planning and, you know, everything connects and we haven't pulled in development and gotten sort of the right level of estimate based on where we are in our process and included them throughout that and really like done a great job of that scoping, if you will, things can absolutely go the wrong direction. So that's another place that I've seen we need to really be careful of. Failing to prioritize. Rebecca, you know this, everybody listening to this knows this. If everything is a priority, nothing is a priority. So making sure that we've got that product strategy, we've got those roadmaps, we're using some sort of market-driven prioritization method, and we're 
we're making the tough decisions because at the end of the day, there's only so many hours. There's only so many people. There's only so much money. We have to pick what we're going to work on first. We can't do everything all at the same time. We can't support and solve to every persona out in our market. So prioritization is huge. We talked about communication already. So that's definitely a pitfall or a trap to watch out for. Poor communication. So making sure that we can speak each other's language. We have a really good forums in place and trust naturally that that communication is going to take place. Too many meetings. What about that one? Too many <laughs> meetings. <laughs> not not enough um, making them ineffective, I guess, is, is a way to put that. People will stop showing up to meetings. If we have too many meetings and the ones we do have are not effective and they're just not productive, people will stop showing up and then things can fall through the cracks. And so that's no good for anybody either. I don't know. Let's see. What am I missing? I mean, I think you've got a lot of the good ones there, right? So much time yeah. in meetings, building things the market doesn't want, having priorities that change all the time so they never get to finish anything. Almost yep. as frustrating as building things no, no one wants, right? It's, yep. it's, it's again, it's a matter of, of wasted work. And in their case, it's not just work. It's like expertise and creativity. This is what they do and what they're passionate about. And you've, and you're, if we're not pointing it in the right direction. There's just a, a lot of, of disappointment there. That's exactly right. The other thing too, I'll throw one more thing out there that I think was extremely important that I sort of coached my team on, if you will. We tend to take credit when things go right. Mm. And when things go wrong, we tend to place blame. And that's not a healthy environment that creates a contentious environment that creates a lack of trust. Right. And it could be something as simple as we pin our development team down for an estimate and we say, Rebecca, you need to tell me exactly how many days, mm. exactly how many hours this is going to take. And engineering is like, I don't know. I don't know yet. We haven't fully flushed that out. Like, I just don't know. But we make them give us a, an answer. Right. So they tell us, OK, eight hours, 16 hours, two days, whatever it is. And then it's wrong. And then what do we do? We slap their hand they get in quote unquote trouble, if you will. And then we've created this really vicious, ugly environment. So we need to watch out for that. It's easy to take the credit and it's also easy to place the blame, but that creates a, a really rough culture and environment to be in. So we need to be very careful about how we treat each other, the respect we have, and making sure that we're supportive from all aspects, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think there is an extra responsibility in this area on the product managers, because I think we often have the mic in front of the execs or in front of the different organizations more than than the developers we're working with. Not always, but often. Yeah. Right. And so the burden falls a little bit more now and we can, we may feel like the one, one throat to choke if it doesn't go right. But it, it also, we have to continually make sure that we shine the lights in the right places. Absolutely. Yep. Without a doubt. So with all that in mind, Amy, if you were going to have people listening, like think of two or three things that they should really think about and keep in mind to create a team. And I love when you say this, that a team of product managers that engineers love. They are excited <laughs> yep. to work with. I think that's like a great sentence just to remember what your goal is is to create a team uh, or, or to, and to be a man, a product manager that engineers love. They Absolutely. want to work with. Yep. What are the sort of like the big two or three things that you would have have them focus on? Oh, man. 
help your teams master their craft, as we call it, okay? The product management craft. So help them master their craft, give them the professional development skills that they need to do it, give them the experience, give them the exposure, literally treat that as a craft and help them master it. So that's one. Secondly would be to put a ton of focus and a ton of energy into what we discussed earlier around alignment of those teams and really good communication. You know, we talk about stakeholder management in our build course, and sometimes it seems very kind of elementary, right? It's like this is Mm -hmm. foundational, but it's so important. And sometimes the answer doesn't have to be something super magical or highly scientific. It's right in front of us. It's going back to basics. How do we align? How do we create trust and collaboration? How can we create really good communication practices and put those in place each and every time, right? And then I would say the third one, this is a big one and it's kind of a sticky point for some people, but allow and encourage your product managers, your product teams to stay out of the how and have them focus on the what, the who, and the why. So if we can bring the problem to the table, if we can bring the persona, the person that's experiencing the problem, if we can understand the use scenarios behind it, if you will, like why does that problem even manifest in the first place? How does the persona think about things? How do they interact as they're experiencing this problem? If we can bring all that context to the table, And then we can give our development teams the space to think creatively, to start with a blank canvas, as I like to say in class, like give them a moment to think about how they might best solve that, because we don't always know. And frankly, it is a really healthy thing and a best practice to have a separation of duties between the how and the what. So allow your PMs, encourage product managers to stay out of that how, leave it up to our design practice, our engineers, and then we focus on delivering all that wonderful, rich context to them. Excellent advice, Amy. All right. You know, I think we've got lots of good things for everybody to chew on here. I think as we talked about, it's really important to be good partners and to create good teams. Good teams create great products. I think we used to have a rule that was like, Good yeah. teams create products and and bad teams create documentation. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep, absolutely. It's super important. All right. Amy, it was an absolute pleasure having you on today. I'm really glad you came on. Thank you for sharing your experience and your insights. Absolutely, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.